answers to why. Give us the peace to it, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing so long. I want us to turn to, to John chapter 15. I want to pick up uh, where I left off. I, I, I figured, or I, I closed out with one uh, specific thought there uh, in John chapter 15. Uh, one specific thought uh, with abiding. And uh, we, we covered that pretty extensively. But there at the close, there was, a, there was another uh, segue to that. Uh, that, that I want to, to talk about. And I want you to keep in mind that as I'm going through this or starting this, uh, even though it sounds a little random, I want you in your mind to be thinking and, and, and put it, the thought in your mind. We're talking about holiness. We're, we're coming from a total different approach. People probably thought I was going to come up here in the pulpit and just guns a-blazing and start... Uh, just talking about don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. No, 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 no. Holiness is taught. And if you can teach holiness and, 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 and try to conscript people's heart, or uh, I'm careful with that because every, a lot of what I find in Scripture, Jesus came with an ultimatum. He came with you either do what I say or you're going to be lost. But yet in our modern day culture, we, we try to sell it. And uh, the gospel was never meant to be sold, per se. It's, it's meant to be obeyed. And uh, I think many times that's where we try to, even trying to teach holiness, we, we try to sell it. I, I don't want to sell you tonight. Really, I don't want to sound like a salesman trying to, 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 to do something that would uh, make you, talk you into a product. I believe that you're here because you love God. I believe you're here because you want to serve God. I believe you're here because you want to please God. If you weren't here for that, you wouldn't have came to church tonight. So I'm going to base the Word of God on that feeling or that element of faith that I want to please God. The Scripture says, for without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So by us being here, we're going to talk about this, this element of holiness. Now John chapter 15, and we read, I am the true vine. And my father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, again, we covered these last week. I'm going to read these very quickly. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me you can do nothing if any man abide not in me he's cast forth as the branch and withered and men gather him if ye verse 7 if ye abide in me and my words abide in you ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you verse 8 herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit so ye shall be my disciples I'm going to pause right there we're going to go to 9 stay right there brother Ron but just for those that were not here we talked about abiding and, and what it's having to do this was Jesus trying to give us an example through his dual nature when you hear me reading these scriptures as I go on into chapter 15 you're going to hear me making reference to the father and Jesus it's red letter but I said this from the very beginning last time Jesus has a dual nature he's fully God and fully man so when you read these scriptures and it refers to the father your mind has to immediately think is this Jesus speaking as man 
Or is he speaking as God? That's the question you always ask yourself. And in these verses of John's hearing and Jesus speaking, he is speaking as man. So when he makes reference to the Father, he's not making reference to a second person in a triunity or, or, or the second person in seven gods. He's making reference to one God, but speaking of the Father, the Spirit, the Spirit by which now is housed in him that has taken up flesh and now he's robed that flesh, that Spirit is now robed in flesh and now he's He's trying to teach these disciples. Here's the key, men. If you want to see that Old Testament glory again, if you want to see that pillar of fire, the glory, the fire that was there in that old tabernacle of badger skin and parpa skin, if you want to see that again, you got to understand this principle. Now, for us as apostolics, we know what the glory is. The Greek word for it is doxa. What does it mean? The full weight of God's power. We as apostolics understand that and we're not just preaching confetti words. And what I mean by that is, is I'm not just trying to get a bunch of hype to talk about the glory. What I'm saying is, is it's of necessity that the glory of God is in the church in this end time hour. And that glory radiates out of you and I. Put the definition in place. It's of utmost importance that the full weight of God's power, God's majesty, God's authority, that it moves on the church and it moves through you and I if we're ever going to reach this world. Point in case, we got people that come sit on our pews and they leave still bound. That's not just a preacher's problem. That's the church's problem. Because we will be held accountable for the lack thereof that we've not done. We'll be held accountable for the lack of doing what we can to have the atmosphere set for the glory of God to settle here and that glory to come out of you and I. So John is writing what Jesus is saying and he's trying to let them know, if you want to know this glory and how it works, it's in me. But here's the component to the glory. The glory makes everybody happy. The glory makes everybody shout. The glory's the power. That's what, what makes everybody get excited and goosebumps. He's saying, but you've got to understand what gets the glory is this abiding and at one between the two. The, the, the unity of your spirit in unity with God's spirit in you. Jesus saying the same. The spirit that dwells in me, the hope of glory, the one that created the worlds in the beginning is in me. But I'm going to teach you the principle. You've got to abide together in unity and in harmony for that glory to come. Another word for that would be submission. Now you think about it right now. Submission is attitude. So here's what that means. When God don't do what you want him to do, how's your attitude? It just costs me an abiding session. God's not on a turnstile that he leaves and comes. But what we just did was is, and this is another lesson I'll teach you on another day. You're going to either quench the spirit, you're going to either grieve the spirit, or you're going to quench him. One of the two. What good's having the Holy Ghost if he ain't flowing through me? What good is it if I'm not abiding? So point is, is, is submission. Jesus was in such submission to the will of God and the purpose of God in the flesh that he gave us an example saying, if you will abide, the glory will come. Verse 9, as the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandment, ye shall abide in my love. So now here's the, here's the kicker. Stay right there, Brother Ron. The abiding. I know that it's submission. I know it's my attitude. I understand that. 
But why is it my attitude is in such struggle? Now who will get honest with me tonight? My attitude sometimes isn't right, Brother Kim. And I'm the preacher. No matter how much praying and fasting I do, my flesh is always ready to raise its head. Always. So here's the thing, and here's the, 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 the road I want us to go on leading to these next verses. If it's abiding and it's a submission issue in my spirit and my attitude, what causes my attitude to get all out of check? There's an answer for that. We'll get to it. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Now, there it is. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandment, abide in His love. We know right there the connection. Obedience is connected to love. I can't say I love Him if I don't obey Him. Jesus said, if you obey me, if you love me, you will obey me. So true love out of my mouth is defined not how many times I say, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. My love is defined when God looks at me and you, He looks at our obedience, not at how many times I said, I love you. So it's only defined by Scripture. Jesus is giving us the picture. I have been obedient through submission to His commandments. What you're feeling is, is the love of God, I have the love of God. We feel that. But it's only through my obedience to the commandments. Now here's the one we should all right now stand to our feet and probably shout when we read the next verse. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy may be full. Listen, God wants you to have joy. These people that are, that are kind of just saying, well, church is boring. It shouldn't be boring. I should come to the house of the Lord with joy. Why? Because it's the promises of God. God's going to speak to me tonight. God's going to help me tonight. The more you and I can get in his presence, that's a reason to be joyful. Somebody could get a healing tonight. Somebody could get an answer to prayer tonight. Somebody could get a miracle tonight. Come on, somebody. That should make you happy. That should make you bubble up with joy because God cares that much about you and I. But our joy, our attitude, Watch, there's a reason why that comes under such attack. He said that your joy may be full. God's greatest joy is that you and I's joy will be full. This is the commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. Greater love hath no man that this, that he, a man lay down his life. So there's Calvary. He lays down his life. He's saying sacrifice. So now he's given them the answer, Brother Roger. He's given them the answer to submission. It's death to self. It's death to self. As long as I'm alive, my attitude and everything's going to be all cattywampus. I'm never going to see things right. I'm not going to see people in the church right. I'm not going to see my neighbor right. Calvary. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life, in verse 13, his life for friends. Yet ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you, henceforth... I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. Now pay special attention to these last words here, because this is where we're going to launch for tonight's lesson. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. 
But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. Now tighten y'all's belt strap. We're going to go on a little ride tonight. He just said, I just revealed to you the answer. This is where I started with tonight. And this sounds so kind of, I'm not trying to be sandpaperish. But Jesus makes it very clear how I can abide with him. He did not put in any extras. He made it very clear. I've revealed this to you. Think who he's talking to. The 12 disciples. I've taken now what's so powerful, so eternally sealed, and I've revealed to you not only my oneness, that I'm God manifested in the flesh, but I also told you how I in the flesh work with the Spirit. And if you don't learn how to take your flesh and work with the Spirit, You're open target to the world. Holiness. You with me? Holiness is not a UPC thing. Holiness is not an Indian village thing. Holiness is the very absolute essence of what God is. And if that absolute God dwells in you and I as the Holy Ghost, it behooves me Brother Fontenot, that with every bit of my ability, I better make sure that my flesh is out of control, that the Spirit of God that lives in me is perfectly pleased with my behavior and my thoughts. Keep in mind, I'm going towards holiness. And I'm fixing fixing to reveal to you what the greatest war is against holiness. It's not just my flesh. He gave me an antidote for that. He said, the revelation has come. I've made known to you. Now here's this one. You've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. These people that come and say, I love their belief and their their step of faith of saying, I want to serve Jesus. But for somebody to say, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, I accept you. According to that scripture, it says, you ain't chose me. I chose you. Quit saying you accept me. I done accepted you. I accept Jesus. No, you didn't. Quit acting like you did God a favor. It's a good step of faith, but that does not constitute salvation. If it did, then that would have been reworded. Thank you for accepting me. Now you chose me. Now we can make it in eternity. But he didn't do that. He said, I'm not chosen. You've not chosen me. I chose you. I ordain you. And you should, not, you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Remember, he's talking about fruit. Let me interject this right here. Anytime we see fruit, we immediately think right there that it's the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, meekness, temperance, long-suffering, uh, goodness, uh, meekness, the nine fruits of the Spirit. It's, he, he's talking about them nine, but there's other fruits. He said, let the praises of your lips be the fruit. I know a lot of people that they're, they're so meek and mild, but they don't praise God. So there's a sour fruit there. So there's got to be an equating of all the fruits that they're equal. He said, these things I command you not that you love one another. Verse 18. If the world hate you, and you wonder why we're fighting in our minds so hard. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me. 
before you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. Now watch that. First of all, that word there, world, is where we get the word chronos. Chronos. Chronos means authority. This is the same scripture. Brother Ron, if you'll, uh, who's back there? Kenzie, Lexi, which one? Y'all kind of look the same. Write, write these down for me. It's Matthew 4 and 8, Matthew 13, 22, and Romans 12 and 2. Lexi, that's who that is. Lexi. Write those down. Now here, go, if you can, I don't know if that computer can move that fast, Brother Ron, but I, go flip it to, to, to Matthew 4 and 8 just real fast. Matthew 4 and 8. Now here, here's what that word means. The word in John where he said, you need to remember something, that before you ever came on the scene, the world, let's look at today, the world, if it hates you today, don't take it personal. Because it hated him before we ever got here. And the word world comes from the Greek word chronos. And it, you, these are, there's actually several words for time. Chronos, uh, aeon, uh, et, three different ones. This one means authority and dominion. And it's specific to this place because John and Matthew records Jesus' temptation. Again, the devil, t- the devil take him up to an exceeding high mountain, shew him all the kingdoms of the world. That's chronos. What that means is this. Jesus, the whole Adam and Eve thing, Adam messed up. He lost dominion. Sickness enters the picture now. Death enters the picture now. All these bad things, sin, it all enters the picture now because of Adam's mess up. It all now comes in. So because of that, Jesus comes back and the scripture says, through the the disobedience of one, the obedience of another, things are brought back together. Things are restored. So Jesus is the Adam, the second Adam that came and gave the reverse back for you and I. That I don't have to suffer with sickness. I don't have to suffer with sin. I don't have to suffer with the heartaches of life. The world was created. The world, the authority, the dominions, the chronos. The world was created by God and for God. But man messed it up. Man stepped in because he never would abide in the presence of God. Adam thought he, Eve thought they had their own preconceived ideas of what they thought. Regardless of what they thought, they messed up what was so perfect. So now the world is under the dominion or the the prince and the power of the air. And Jesus comes to reverse that back. So now here's Jesus walking in flesh. The very beginning of Matthew, we just had his, his, or his baptism is taking place. The dove descends and all this happens. And then he gets taken up to turn the, breads and pray, the stones into bread. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then he says, Satan takes him up. There's a reason. Because Satan knew if he buys into this, it's going to mess up the abiding in him. If he messes up and takes my bidding for the world, the kingdoms of this world, the chronos, the governments, the authority. This was all about authority. Isn't it funny? That's the same battle now. The battle in a marriage is over authority. The battle in a church is over authority. The battle in our government is over authority. It's all going to be who's the one that calls the final shot and we submit to that that we know we can trust that authority. Nothing new under the sun. It's the same battle. 
And he knew that if he took that, that authority, that chronos, that the thing, the spirit in him, that, that abiding, it was all going to be messed up. And he would have had it back like it was in the beginning. Now go back real quickly to, we're going to go to Matthew 13 here in a minute, but go back to John 15. That word world, chronos, that particular one, it's orderly arrangement of government, the exact definition. Here's another one. Now watch. Keep in mind, we're talking about holiness. Adorning world, things of adorning. What the world does is it adorns itself in things that appeal to you. Here, here's the picture. I'm trying to get this to make sense. It's like you and I, I'm in alignment with God. And here's what the world does. It appeals that we will be drawn away by our own lusting that's not under control. I'm not just talking about sexual sins. I'm talking about the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, whatever it may be. And the enemy and the world has got one objective. To pull you out of communion with God. To pull you out of divine holiness with God. Holiness is on the inner man, not on the outer man yet. And if he can pull you and I out and get that inner man all messed up, the abiding, the communion, the fellowship. Remember the definition we read for what it was? For the fellowship or the abiding, what it meant? To keep fellowship with Christ so his work can flow through us and we produce fruit. The enemy don't want you to produce fruit. He don't want you to produce the nine fruits of the Spirit. He don't want you to praise God. The battle against the church is a worldly concept that says you don't need to do all of that. Let's take praise a little deeper. Y'all know I'm going to hit it. Don't do that. You look silly lifting your hands. You look silly running. You look silly rolling on the floor. You look silly giving God some demonstration of praise. And the world adorns itself in the opposite contrast of what God says. God says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he flee. The enemy says, take charge for your own life. Do what you want to do. You're the man. Put on your pants and take care of business like it should be. Here's my, my, my concern with that. Sometimes when I take care of business myself, I mess it up worse than if I would have just let God have his way and try to find the mind of God. Adorning. Very, very interesting. Let's go back to John real quick and then we're going to go to Matthew 13, 22. John. John 15 and go back to verse 19. And remember, he gave them a revelation. If the world hate you, know that it hated me. bullet note the world takes care of itself and defends its people why do we not defend our people why don't we protect each other more he that covereth a sin he that covereth say bless God wrong's gotta it's gotta be revealed I've learned more enough sister Debbie as God began to use and work through, I learned more and more God kept more to himself or to me to not reveal than he did to reveal. Could God do it? 
He sure could, Sister Debbie. He could walk down the line and go, Thus saith the Lord. He's done it. But I'm learning. And I'm seeing a side about God that he, he, He's more after seeing what the body's going to do than a man of God coming and going. And in front of him. I understand. There's, there's process to all that. I get that. There's a process by which... But God's more interested in the body working together. And you and I, if the world is going to take care of its own, don't you think you and I should do everything in its power to protect each other, cover each other, pray for each other, encourage each other? Oh, I think I need to dig down a little bit on that right there. Let go of the past. We need to forgive. I'm telling you, that unforgiveness is going to send some people to hell. I hate to be ugly and unkind, Sister Debbie, but it's the truth. If we don't forgive and say, you say, well, I don't know how. Listen to me. When you and I get alone with God, God can help you and I to forgive. i got situations, Brother Keith, that I tell you every once in a while it hits me in the back of the head. And I remember what they did. But you know what I do? i got enough sense in my head to go to God in prayer and say, God, I need you to help me. I can't do this by myself. And if I don't get this unforgiveness out of my heart, I'm going to be lost I'm sorry I'm not trying to be ugly I want us to be saved shake somebody into realize you gotta let that go I mean my lord if the world if the world takes care of its own but the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I chose you out. I chose you out. Therefore, the world hateth. ETH is continual. The world will never stop hating you. And I'm going to tell you why here in a minute. We'll read it in the scripture. Go to, go to Matthew 13 real fast, Brother Ron. And we're going to come back to that verse where I stopped. 19. Go to Matthew 13, 22. Matthew 22. Now remember. That's what I said. I hope I'm talking slow. I'm trying to go slow on purpose. I just gave you the definition of the world. When Jesus was tempted, it was governments. It was, it was chronos. God was, it was a temptation with authority. Okay, but now this one's different. Matthew 13, 22. He that, he also that receiveth seed among the thorns, he that heareth the word and the care of the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of Richard chokes out the world. It's a parable. It's a parable of the different soils. The thorns, the hard soil. And what he's saying is this one here, the world, is going to be the one that's going to try to choke it out. But the word world means in this one, aeon is the Greek word, where we get the English word eon. It's different. Here's what it means. Certain period of time, it's a cultural thing. You with me? I don't think I'm making any sense. Jesus came with authority. He was God manifested in the flesh. Okay? He restored everything back. Gave the keys to Peter. Whatever you bind on earth will be bind in heaven. All that. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever you... It's done. He was giving him the start. 
Peter stands on the day of Pentecost. Repent. So now, by Peter's message, Jesus' commission, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive that authority. With me? You receive, and the first temptation of the biggest battle you and I are going to face is to abuse authority. Kronos. Abuse authority. Enemy's going to come and tempt you. It happens to men all the time. You're the man, be the man. Mama, you the mama, be the mama. And you crunch the kids or you crunch her, you crunch the family. Abuse your authority. A pastor, abuse your authority. A preacher, abuse your authority. A saint, abuse your authority. A Sunday school teacher, abuse your authority. That's the first temptation that we're going to always face. you got a talent and ability. Use it for your own selfish gain. That's what Jesus was. Turn these, these stones into bread. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then he takes him up to a high mountain. He says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, chronos, dominion, authority. I'll give that to you. He said, angels giving me charge. I can't be, uh uh-uh. He used the word against the word. He was trying to get him to abuse the authority and get out of alignment with God or the spirit that dwelt in him. You with me now? Now let's go to this. You got authority, but now you pass that test. Here's the other one. And this is what you look at church history. When the Holy Ghost first came, the Holy Ghost began to pour out. People got the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in Jesus' name. And you let them go about 10, 15 years. And that other element of the world starts looking a little bit more appealing. They got the authority part, maybe started, but never finished. And because they didn't continue in his word and become his disciples indeed, there was no continuation. He's saying in this one, this is a culture thing. So if the seed don't hit your heart right, culture's robbing you of it. What in your thinking that you have allowed the culture of this world in your mind to make you think something contrary to God's word? Look at it. Because he that has the care of the world. In other words, if you care more about culture and pleasing culture, I'm going to step out there. If you and I are more interested in keeping Indian Village at peace because it's the culture, if I'm more interested in keeping Lake Charles Lafayette at peace because it's the culture, that's where all them Cajuns are down there in Lafayette, and I don't want to rock the boat of the Cajun culture, You just robbed yourself of something in the word of God because culture now and the care for culture has taken away the seed of God's word. And here what come to follow, then we wonder, deceitful of riches, for long we're greedy. And we don't know, I don't know why I'm so greedy because you let culture influence your mind over the word of God. If the word of God says a man is supposed to marry a woman, it's the way it is. But culture says, come on, Brother Benoit, you are just so sandpaperish. Here's the thing, Sister Debbie. Here was my revelation in all of this. Go read those other chapters of 15 of John. He said, the love, the love, the love. When you abide in God and you're truly abiding in Him, people that are not easily offended are going to feel the love of God in that, that it don't matter what you say. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those that are unclean, they're offended. 
I say that one more time. If we're unclean, we're offended. But when you're pure and you're up there saying, Preacher, I need you to tell me what it takes to be saved. Tell me how to please God. Tell me how to have a relationship with God. To the pure, all things are pure. To that when the seed's going to fall on good soil. And I'm not going to be concerned with the cares of the world. The deceitfulness of riches or anything else that could choke the word of God. It's an understanding for me, Brother Joe. It's why many of our churches that are 100 years old, 50 years old, 10 years old, if they don't abide in this principle right here, they will lock up and become worldly over time. And it don't matter how strong that preacher is. Here's what we've done, though. Then we'll get a preacher that preaches against everything but oxygen. And think that because he can be hard, he can hold it together. You will never hold it together, no matter how hard you are. But if you and I can learn, I want to abide in Jesus. I want Jesus to abide in me. And if I can learn that principle, and I can teach that principle to you, and Jesus can teach it to me, and we together can learn it together. When the word of God is thrown out like a net, then it'll fall on the right soil. And we'll see a great harvest in our families, in our church, our community, our region. He said, it leads on. He said, you'll choke the word. <laughs> I've asked the Lord. And he, I get the parables. I'll go home and say, Lord, there's just a care for the world. That's why the word didn't seek them or, or touch them. And true, the world is the in, enemy that, that has indoctrinated our mind. And we've bought into the world's culture. And that's what's caused the lack of holiness. But watch. Jesus says it like a happy birthday. 84 years old. God love you. I hope you had a good day. Prayed for you. You see, the world is the enemy. And the world wants to detract our minds. Just like he did Jesus. Folks, these principles that Jesus did. Yes, he was God. Carly manifested in the flesh. But he did it as a man. That you and I could learn what the enemy's going to do. So we could be ready. And where there's the, That's why people say, man, that was a surprise. There ain't nothing new under the sun. The devil just got a different dress. He's the same devil. He ain't got no new tactics to pull out. The internet ain't new. It's new to us. But the immoral things of the internet, that's nothing new. It was actually worse back then. Now we got laws to regulate a daddy can't sleep with his daughter. Back then they did and it was normal. But Jesus was trying to paint a picture. And it's not an accident in him using this. Brother Ron, go to verse 10 of Matthew 13. I know I got you all over the place. Y'all okay? Can I just do what I feel in the Holy Ghost? I promise. I'm not going to keep you long. I know it's cold. Everybody wants to be by the heaters here in a little bit. Go to 13 and 10 of Matthew. Now watch what Jesus does. He said, he just gave them a parable. I'm still talking about holiness. I'm still talking about John 15. The revelation came. Jesus says, the disciples said, why are you talking in parables? Next verse. And he answered and said, because it's given to you because you're hungry. To know the mysteries, but to them it's not. I find it ironic. I, I, I read A.W. Tozer said this, and I, I think there's a little bit of truth to this. He said, preachers 
use a whole lot of illustration and stories in their messages to tell how more clear it is to, to try to reach them. He said, but notice how Jesus did it. Jesus made it hard for them to hear. And we got preachers trying to make it easy for everybody to hear. Don't stab me. That's A.W. Tozer. So we use stories and stories and things. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you a parable because I want to, I'm revealing. The hungry is going to see. It's like Brother Ewan's saying all over again when God spoke to him so clear. I made my truth just clear enough that no honest heart will ever miss it. But it's just obscure enough that no dishonest heart will ever find it. Is that not parallel to what he just told them disciples? That if you got an honest heart, you want to serve God, God's going to let you see every bit of holiness. Why you and I do what we do. It ain't a UPC thing. It ain't a Pentecostal thing. It's a word of God thing. And if you got an honest heart for it, Jesus will reveal it to you. But if you can't see it, I question that honesty and so does he. That's just Bible teaching, Steve. That ain't out of a manual. Jesus did this. Notice too, I'll give you another scripture. Notice when they came out of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea. Go read Exodus, I don't know, 13, 14, 15, somewhere up in there. Here's what it says. He told Moses, he said, Moses, why you cried out unto me? Why'd you stop? Moses said, because I got water in front of me. I got Pharaoh coming behind me. I got two mountains on the left and the right. God said this, that angel's going to go before thee. Here's what he said. And he will be a light before you. Watch. But he said, it will be a cloud of darkness behind you. Now, come on, let's go, go, go a little deep with me here. How many times have I said that about Pharaoh? That the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. God did not harden. God didn't come down and say, Pharaoh, I'm going to put in you a heart of stone. What happened to Pharaoh was Pharaoh had truth presented to him. And I'm going to prove it in John 15. A witness came to him. Moses and Pharaoh said uh uh I'm not moving I'm not going I'm not doing that. and because his rejection of truth his heart got harder and I can prove it over in scripture we got apostolics that way the word of God's preached in truth and they go no I'm not doing that here's what you and I don't understand that heart gets hard and where you used to could handle bitterness and overcome it you can't no more because there's truth not embraced from what God told you 30 years ago and we're looking at all this going, well, they're bitter. Man, I don't understand how. I tell you how. There was truth way back, and it was never accepted. Like Pharaoh. Now watch. Pharaoh never accepted it. He came after them with a vengeance. Sister Liz. And God said, for you, Israel, I'm going to have a light going forward. For Egypt, I got a cloud of darkness behind them. In front of them. What's the parallel? For those that will not accept truth, they're in a cloudiness of mind. Their mind is cloudy. I know brain fog. I know there's physical anomalies. I accept that. I'm not debunking medicine. I'm talking about in the world. The world is confused. They don't know if a man is a man and a woman is a woman. They don't know if they can sleep with their son. They don't know if they can sleep with their daughter. They don't know if they can sleep with their dog. They're messed up and confused in the mind. But God raised up a church for one reason. To show them how to abide in Christ and the healing can come. Their minds are cloudy. 
get the picture. There's fire right on that side and darkness on this side. If there's darkness on this side, you cannot see forward. You wonder why people cannot see sometimes the truth. And we keep reaching for the same old people. When there's a harvest of people out there that has never hurt you. Mallory Mallory just told me about it. They set up a table at McNeese. And they got to visit him with some foreign students or missionaries. What you call them things that come to McNeese from another country. Huh? Exchanges. They come in exchanging. And they begin telling them about God and begin telling them about the things of God. And they go, Wow, I like that. I want to come to your church. You hear me. There's a lot of people that want to hear about God in this hour. And if we can bring the light of the gospel to them, their minds will clear up. They'll come healing to their spirit. Oh, that old unbelief right there, boy. I could feel it just kind of just sat down. That's the damnable curse of this church it's going to kill many of our families if we don't break the back of that doubt and unbelief I'm telling you if you and I can pick up faith and be fervent in the spirit the fervent effectual prayer of a right not a monastery prayer not a quiet prayer not a sheepish prayer but an apostolic prayer that says by the authority of the name of Jesus save Bobby save them but do it with all your heart God will respond God will respond He's ready quicker than you and I could ever imagine. But in our minds, in our minds, what time is it? I quit. Let me tell you, I, I close. Here's the musician, y'all come. I quit. I'll finish this next Wednesday. She said, I don't know how to do this. Now get this. She said, I don't know how to do this. I'm asking for prayer. Folks, do you see? They're in a cloud. They're in a cloud. They, they can't see. They see something different about us. And here's the thing. And we pray, well, I got my holiness. But what about the Spirit of God that's holy? He could change a heart quicker than my standard. And we need standard. I ain't going. Don't, don't take no, nobody leave here and say, Ben White. But I'm for more. Let the Spirit of God flow out of you. And they'll see God. I prayed this over and over, Brother Roger. Put this how you pray. God, let people see the fruits of your Spirit and not me. See, that's an anti-world prayer because the world prayer says, I want everybody to see me. I'm a good singer. I'm a good preacher. I'm a good saint. I'm a good Bible. I'm See me. And you know what I pray? God, don't let nobody see me. Let me be like Psalms 1. Let me be by that tree, by the rivers of water that in my season will bring forth my fruit. Let my roots grab a hold of the water of the living God and let everything that's seen, let it be the fruits of your spirit and don't let them see my nasty attitude. And she said, can I have prayer? I said, man, you ask a great thing. She said, but here's the thing. I don't want to do it right here in front of everybody. Can we go on the front porch? I called Brother Smith over. I said, hey, she wants prayer. We went out on the front porch. Folks, she got stammering lips on the front porch. Almost started talking in tongues. Started crying and weeping. She said, I ain't never felt nothing like this. I felt God before, but I ain't never felt. And Oh, that's the response. And we're going to get a harvest. You and I should shout and say, thank God one heart repented on that front porch because that repentance will lead to our families. Stand with me.
I'm having revival. Having revival. Whatever the cost. I'm not going to be unkind. I told them girls, Mallory and Maddie, I said, we're having revival with Magnesia. I said, whosoever will, if they don't want it, hello, I'm going to be as ethical as I can and as Christian as I can. But I got something shut up in my bones on fire. And I want to see souls filled with the Holy Ghost. And I want to know, is there a church that's willing to say, okay, God, all these 30 years of living for God, let's put it to use. And let's find somebody that needs the Holy Ghost. And let's see God. Come on, step out of that pew. Come with me to the front. She got to crying. She said, hey, I ain't never felt like this. Remember that feeling, Charlie? I still remember. I remember when I first got the Holy Ghost. I ain't never lost that feeling, sister. I ain't never lost it. Don't ever lose it. Don't ever get comfortable. Don't ever let life rob you. Because I promise you, it gets better and better as the days go by. Folks, there's hungry people. God did not fill me and you, listen, with the Holy Ghost for us to sit within our walls and just sit on a pew and, 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 and just kind of count time till Jesus calls us home. But God put authority in you. He put a relationship in you with God for you and I to take that to the streets and that we start reaching people that God is split to Calvary for. If you're hungry to see people filled with the Holy Ghost, why don't you stretch your hands all across this building right now? Come on, lift your voice right now. God, speak to our heart. Come on, God's been dealing with some of you of a certain place to go. Maybe a neighborhood. Maybe a store. Maybe a restaurant you've been frequenting. Pray that God leads you. Come on, lift your voice right now. God, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for saving me. Let me feel the obligation of a God to reach for somebody else. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, just lift your voice right now. Talk to him. You're too tired to lift your arms. Just lift your voice. Everybody's got a voice. Say, God, help me. God, lead me. God, use me. There's a call in this building tonight to be used of God. Some of you are going to get some joy when you reach for those people.
got so many things we're working on. But here's what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask you to begin to pray now. We're just coming off of a fast. Hopefully our flesh is in check for the most part. And we're hearing keenly to the voice of God. And I'm going to start having those cards ready and available. Not sure how we're going to do it, but I'm going to request that you get at least five cards before you leave every service. Five cards. You realize if we gave, if you, you took five, you took five, you took five. You took five. That's 20 cards in one week. Four weeks, that's 80 cards for four people. If I take this crowd here tonight of say 50 people, five cards, 250 a week in a month, that's 1,000 cards we could get to people. Folks, I'm going after Kimberly. I'm going after Kimberly. And if this mic wasn't on, I'd tell you how vehement I am about it. There's neighborhoods in Kinder that are waiting for somebody to invite him to God. There's people south. There's people in Bell City. All the way south. We got a running stretch. And I'm going to take everybody I can to heaven with us. As soon as those cards are ready. And we decide on the what. We'll get them printed. They're going to be in the. Again I'm thinking maybe more here at the altar. Than when we bring offering. Here's what I don't want. I don't want this to be another gimmick. That's kind of like the prayer board thing. I mean the, um, the tithing thing. I don't ever want it to be a memorized thing. It's a prayer. I put in and I'm praying, God, you're going to bless it. It's a prayer over what I just gave. Same thing with the card. I don't want it just to be another, this is a new year, a little gimmick thing we're going to do and it's going to wane. No, I want it to become the new culture of our church that I take a card five per service or per week and I hand them out. Is there anybody feel that we can do that? See, I got a majority here right now tonight. I want us to pray right now. Lift your hands and we're going to pray. God, I want you to help us, Lord. We're willing. We're all hungry tonight. There wasn't anybody that probably raised their hand tonight. For a majority, they did. God, I'm asking you to that when they put that card in their hand, that, God, you will move on them, lead them, use them to invite somebody and let the seed fall on the right heart. God, we ask you tonight, move on every one of us and begin to prepare us for what you're challenging us to do. I ask you in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say in Jesus' name. We're going to do it very quickly as soon as we get it together. And we're going to believe for God to do a tremendous work in our midst. Folks, we ain't got much time left. And here's the thing. We not only if you say with well, us the call of God, the work, the eternity, we ain't got time left physically. Brother Darrell, me and you could drop dead tomorrow. I don't want that. Our wives don't want that. Right, Sister Claudia? Hello. Hello. Right, baby? There we go. We got an amen from that. But here's the point, brother. This is what drives me. I can't take a chance, Brother Darrell. Because if God looks down at me and goes, but you did, then you could. Ooh. I just don't want that. I want God to use every one of us. Don't you? Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. Just in thanksgiving for his goodness and mercy. Turn to somebody, greet them in the name of the Lord. Have a moment of fellowship. Remember this upcoming Sunday morning, Sunday, Sunday morning service. No Sunday night. You announced that? I don't think so. It is this Sunday. 
No Sunday night service this Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the month. Sunday morning, but invite somebody to the house of God. We do have some cards on the desk out front. Don't wait for us to just set them and hand them to you. Grab a card on the way out, one or two. Hand them out to somebody as you make your way around the area in the community, southwest Louisiana this week. And let's believe God for a great harvest of souls.